This is the Balancing Act by Security Compass, your guide to going fast while staying safe in today's digital world. On part nine of Leaders in Product Security, Rohit Sethi, CEO at Security Compass, is joined by David Leno. David Leno is Director, Secure Software Engineering at Adobe. In his role, Leno manages the Adobe Secure Software Engineering team responsible for helping to ensure Adobe's products are designed, engineered, and validated using security best practices. Leno represents Adobe on SafeCode's board of directors and acts as SafeCode's treasurer. Leno joined Adobe as part of the Macromedia acquisition in 2004. At Macromedia, Leno held several management and engineering positions in the areas of product security, product management, and quality assurance. Leno earned a BA in Japanese language and literature from Connecticut College. Thanks for uh, joining. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me on. So t- tell me, how did you get into product security? Yeah, so it's it's kind of um, a long and winding road, but um, I started off, uh, I was working at Macromedia at the time, which was acquired by Adobe um, back in 2005. So this predated that. I was working there, Macromedia, known for Flash, Dreamweaver, other products. And uh, I was working as a program manager at the time. Um, My manager had just hired our first security team member. The founding member was Adrian Ludwig. uh, And he is currently the CISO at Atlassian. Um, Adrian was great to work with. He was a one-man show at that time. We had just received, I think this shows you how far back this was. We had just received our first vulnerability report from um, an outside researcher for Flash Player. Uh, So yeah, um, he needed some help. Adrian needed some help. So um, they enlisted me to help out with um, receiving and responding to vulnerability reports. So uh, I was the first uh, PCERT employee. Um, So that's how I started out. And uh, that was like a quarter time or half time at the time. But um, Adrian started hiring more people and I became full time. And uh, and that's uh, that's where that's how I got my foothold into into the security field. Nice. Yeah. Macromedia. I remember that name uh, from many years ago. Uh, So you've had both incident response. You mentioned PCERT, uh, which is, you know, essentially product incident response and building security in essentially report up to you. You've also had your company migrate from desktop to cloud. Tell me about how product security at Adobe has evolved over the years with this change in scope. Sure. Yeah. So when Macromedia was acquired by Adobe, we became the Adobe product security team. So Adrian was um, the, the manager there at the time. Um, and, and we took over, um, Macromedia had a lot less products, um, and, uh, and we took over for the Adobe products team grew more and more, uh, at the time, as you say, we were a very desktop, uh, focused company. So we were reviewing all the desktop products at the time we hired in people who were, um, CC plus, um, security experts, uh, and as the, um, as the threat landscape evolved, Reader, Adobe Reader, and then Flash Player became targets um, in the outside world. So we had to put a lot of attention. That was an incident response um, effort first and foremost, and it turned into a proactive response. 
So, um, so that was a really interesting experience. What, what came out of that was we recognized that putting out an update and throwing it over the fence to our customers, um, that was not enough. So we needed to figure out how to um, not only fix the vulnerabilities, but how to um, work into the customer experience um, being secure by default. So that meant initially doing auto updates, uh, which we take for granted now, but at the time doing background update, Chrome might've been the first like mainstream software that was really pushing this idea. And I, I give Google a lot of credit there. That was something new and a little bit risky, but um, for, in order to like try to uh, get our customers updated as quickly as possible, we, uh, we pushed that out um, by default. And then um, doing things like sandboxing, that was a, a really effective, effective mitigation that we ended up putting into Reader uh, and Flash Player and other products along the way. And of course, we, um, we were uh, working with partners like Google and Microsoft on our sandboxing efforts. So the idea of being secure by default and, and doing our best to protect our customers um, came out of that. So then when we moved into the cloud, we had to remake the company in, in a lot of ways. Um, the focus of the company really changed and thus the focus of the security team changed as well. So we had folks who were desktop um, interested in and experts in desktop, they had to uh, learn new stuff. That's both the development teams and the security team. So that was a great experience. Lots of new challenges there. Um, as I think about it now, we're, uh, applying the same lessons that we learned in desktop towards uh, the cloud, making things by, uh, secure by default, although we're doing it now, um, not just for our customers, but for our internal customers, the product teams, like pushing them to use secure cloud configurations and to use internal platforms securely um, via automation. So yeah, that's the evolution of the security program um, that of course had to follow the evolution of the company. So fascinating. Some of those things, like you said, have become so mainstream, secure by default, just something that people take for granted in auto updates, but uh, how that wasn't the case at all, not that long ago. So it's, it's cool. You guys, along with some of these other companies have done some pioneering work. In that you've done a lot, right? And you really, you've rolled out a product security program. Talk to us about what are the biggest challenges you had in rolling out a product security program? Yeah, there's a lot of challenges which will be familiar to your listeners who, who have had to do the same. Scaling is, is a big issue. Um, one of the interesting things that we uh, maybe didn't foresee, but uh, which turned out to be something that um, was really helpful, is uh, breaking down some of the silos internally. So um, we had... Adobe had uh, different security pockets all across the company. There's an IT security team. There's a um, there's an application security team. There's different security teams that were brought in via acquisitions. And uh, over time, those teams have become consolidated under one organization. And again, this is something we take for granted now, but um, there was a while where Adobe did not have a chief security officer and did not have a consolidated security organization. Um, so that really 
helped a great deal in just getting alignment, um, eliminating some of the inefficiencies um, and breaking down those organizational barriers. Um, so it's not that people didn't have good intentions, of course they did, um, but if you're all reporting into one organization, um, you, can, you can take advantage of work that other people are doing and um, you can eliminate some of those inefficiencies that I, I mentioned. So that is super interesting too, Dave. I, I think the idea of centralization and, and the you know, pockets of expertise that pop up in companies, especially large companies, is certainly something we hear companies struggle with. Um, and centralization is always, it's, I think it's aspirational for a lot of companies, easier said than done. Um, but even right. when you do that, like I think uh, there, there's this more inherent challenge about getting product and engineering teams to, to rally around and do this work that maybe isn't always clearly linked to delivering customer value in a, in a visible way. Talk to me about how you got product and engineering teams to, to care about it and to take it seriously. Yeah, it's been an interesting journey. Some of the initial uh, barriers that we faced early on, um, back when we weren't, for instance, receiving uh, security vulnerability reports. Uh, a lot of that has gone away. There are smart people uh, working at Adobe um, on the product teams, and, and they recognize, like, oh, okay, we are a target of, uh, of hackers. We need to respond. That, so that's built in, and um, for better or for worse, that has helped. Um, but the other thing that we've tried to do is to um, build up a security culture, like prod and poke that process along with, uh, with some security training programs, um, security culture programs. So early on, I think this was 2009 era, uh, we started our training program, security training program. And at the time we had, we borrowed a concept from an internal training program um, where we uh, used the martial arts belt style system to uh, incent people. You can get your white belt if you complete this set of trainings, your green belt. And then um, for later on, we added brown belts and black belts. And uh, for brown and black belts, you had to do like practical projects um, that, that made a difference from a security perspective. I am, I don't want to take credit for something which, uh, which we don't deserve, but I'm, I'm fairly certain we're the first ones to do that sort of martial arts belt style system. Um, for security training, uh, or at least we were among the first to do it, um, which was um, which was a good way to build that grassroots um, security culture. And the other thing that it helped us to do is it allowed the people who are interested in security and gravitated to it, it allowed us to identify those people and say like, okay, you work on TMAX and you are a brown belt, you're doing these great projects, why don't you be our security champion? Um, so we, we came up with that concept of having the embedded um, person on the team, having them be the, the voice of security. We might, as a central security team, we might get accused of being sort of ivory tower and a little detached from reality. So if we have people on the ground within the team they're going to have more credibility just from a like day-to-day, -day, like this is important perspective, like the, adding their voice helped us a great deal. We might be subject matter experts on the security side, but uh, we don't live and breathe the uh, development process day-to-day. -day. So 
having those security champions really helped. Another example of something that became pretty much a mainstream, I would say at least aspirational industry practice that we're seeing lots of companies uh, evolve to, although uh, just getting that champions program off the ground can be challenging if you haven't done the the initial uh, motivation work, but but it's definitely been something that people have looked to Adobe to as a really good example of, of how you can improve embedding security into the development teams. Yeah, it's, um, it's really helpful. And the other thing that it does, uh, internal mobility is, is a big focus for Adobe. So um, one of the things that having a security champion, one of the benefits that we, uh, that we talk about is you, you can add this to your CV. You can say, I'm a brown belt, I'm a security champion. Uh, and that's helpful to, from a career development standpoint. I mentioned internal mobility. We have people who end up moving from the product team. So there's a, there are people who really enjoy security but want to stay an engineer um, or a quality engineer or whatever their role might be, product manager even. Um, but there's also people who aspire to move into a central security team. Um, and so we want to make sure that we're uh, keeping people happy internally. Uh, and with this internal mobility effort, we'll take somebody from a product team who's showed the interest in the skills and, and we'll um, have them come onto the central product security team. We do the reverse as well. Uh, people from the central security team end up going to development teams or even becoming product managers or marketing managers. Um, so that's been super cool and helpful all around from a career development process. Um, and then one other thing I'll, I'll mention just, uh, which we've noticed recently, the value that taking, uh, taking people with untraditional backgrounds has. So somebody who might not necessarily have been a, uh, somebody who has a security emphasis um, development degree, um, some kind of a security masters or, or something like that. So we've got people who work on our team who are theater majors or, or video production uh, majors, people who have a background where maybe they didn't go to college. Um, myself, I'm a Japanese language and literature uh, major. It's good to cast the net more widely uh, right now, especially when we've got this uh, talent gap uh, in the security industry. Yeah, the, I think the combination of those two things, looking for people outside of the core backgrounds and this idea of almost using a, the, the development teams as a cross-pollinating, uh, recruiting people from development teams into security and vice versa, sounds like a really good approach. Um, obviously, in a lot of companies, you got to get past uh, organizational boundaries and, and political divides. But when you can do it, it's, it seems like a really good answer to, to the question about how do you attract the right talent to security? Yeah. Yeah. One thing we're doing at Adobe right now is any openings that we have, they're only opened internally for 14 days. Um, so it, it's great to give internal folks a, a first crack at, um, at anything that might pop up. Yeah, that's cool. I like that idea. Is there anything else, Dave, that you'd like to share with the listeners based on your experience? 
Yeah, I'll put in a plug here. I, I mentioned the security training program that we have. We ended up putting a lot of those trainings into, um, into the, the, the community via an organization that we're part of called SafeCode. Uh, so there were a bunch of other companies contributing, um, but SafeCode is uh, safecode.org. If you go there, you can check out the trainings that are available. If, if you're on the market uh, for trainings, that's a good place to start. Um, we originally built those programs. Uh, we now are, are buying from a, a company you may be familiar with, Rohit. Um, <laughs> now we're buying our security trainings, but for a starter kit, SafeCode is a great place to start. And SafeCode has a lot of great resources just for application security development. As we're uh, in, in this new world uh, where every company is a software company, there's a bunch of lessons learned uh, that you can take advantage of. And um, Adobe, along with uh, other companies like Microsoft and, and Google and Dell, EMC, um, we've uh, applied our lessons learned and, and put together a bunch of guidance there uh, in SafeCode. That's great. I mean, I think even this podcast uh, is, is a lot of good lessons learned from your personal experience, but definitely looking to SafeCode, um, which by the way, Steve Lipner was on the series as well. So people will hear directly from him. Um, That's right. But yeah, yeah, definitely a good place to go to, to learn from all your, your experience combined. Very cool. Well, Dave, I really appreciate it. I know you're busy. I really appreciate the the time today and um, thank you for, for joining. Thank you, Rohit. I appreciate it. Um, hopefully we get to do this in person sometime. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully soon. I, I yeah, right. exactly. All right. Thanks, Dave. Thank you.